Hey, I want to welcome you to Gripped, Awakening the Grown in a Generation for Revival and Return of the Lord. I'm Billy Humphrey. And I'm Corey Russell. And this is episode three of season three of the whole season. We're talking about intimacy. And bro, I love your shirt. <laughs> Gate City Church. Gate City Church. So... You know that I'm the founder and the director of the International House of Prayer Atlanta. But if you haven't been following our journey here in Atlanta, you may not know that the House of Prayer in Atlanta, three years ago, we merged with a local church. It was a shocking, divine, sovereign thing where God was taking the prayer room and he stuffed it right in the gut of a local church called Newbridge Church. Well, these were my best friends in ministry, these pastors, and we came together as a leadership team. And just now, we went ahead and rebranded under one name. And you know, when you when you share the name, that means you're family. That's and right. So we put down the name of International House of Prayer. We put down the name of Newbridge. And we have this new name, Gate City. See, Atlanta's the gate city of the South. And we believe if Atlanta falls to the kingdom of God, the whole Southeast is going to build on. a ripple effects. And so we have night and day worship and prayer, 24-hour live worship and prayer, just like from the House of Prayer. We never changed any of that. We just now have seated it right in the right in the local church. So our sanctuary goes 24-7. Even right now in our prayer room in our sanctuary, our sanctuary is our prayer room. The I house of it. prayer is the church. I the church is the house it. of prayer is where we're at. It's just a, so Corey's repping the merch. Yeah, man, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. We, you'll see some of these during the season, as well as some things that I've got with Nasherites. Nasherites. And, yeah, so we'll be talking about that coming down. I'm in, I'm in Dallas with Upper Room Church. You're here. We're here in Atlanta. That's right. And so I just love it, man. It's a, it's what God's doing with both Upper Room, Gate City. It's he's bringing together prayer and the local church yeah. in a profound way. Yeah. And so that's what we care deeply about. And, and I, I would even say with this series, all these series, these, all, the knowledge of God, revival, intimacy, they're, they, they're, they're best expressed and understood and imparted on the inside of you. In this environment, in a community, in a community of singers and musicians mm. and intercessors and and people going after the same thing, and I've found the power of community in taking these truths to drive it deeper on the inside yeah. of me. That we together with all the saints, we yes, comprehend. together with all the saints, we comprehend the height, the width, the depth, the length. There's something that happens in our union with one another, yes. and our union with God. We don't really recognize that he actually puts that on par with one another, that we're part right. of one another and we're part of him in the Godhead. That's this amazing transaction. So that growth, it takes place together. Well, this this uh, episode, we want to talk more about intimacy. And we know last episode, we <laughs> dropped a stake on you. We, we, we know we dropped an intense chunk yes. on you. Yes. And it's part of it's part of my blessing and part of my weakness is that I can only come out of what I'm carrying, yes. and I know you're the same way. Yes, and this is just the moment that we're in. But here's what I want to make sure: I don't want anybody to walk away feeling condemned. They might go, no. "Oh my God, Billy Humphreys, he's convicted, and he either you're judging me <laughs> or you're feeling condemned because I'm convicted." I don't want you to feel no. condemned because here's what I want to tell you about it: I'm experiencing such a depth in the intimacy and the affections of Jesus yes. right now that it's like 15 years, 20 years 
of revelation of his delight in me yes. has brought me to this place where he's literally able to say, hey, that area right there, I'm burning that down. This area, we're burning that down. And I'm going to bring forth gold from that. And so we want to take this whole episode and we want to foundationally now express what does it mean when we say bridal paradigm? Yeah. What are we talking about, Jesus, our bridegroom? What, what does this mean that dark but lovely, that he loves us like that? What, what's going on in the mind of God? And, and here's what I would say from, from the beginning of the book of, uh, of Genesis to the end of the book of Revelation, when you, when you look at the thread through yes. the entire yes. scriptural narrative, you find that God's deep desire is intimacy at the highest level with people. Yes. That's actually what he's aiming for the entire time. That's right. And so you just, to me, I always start with this thought. Who is the God that starts the entire creation narrative in a garden? That's right. With a man and a woman in love with one another. Who is this God that sets that whole story up? And then he wraps up this age with a marriage. That, to me, that menu gets so oh my big. Gosh. And all of a sudden, we find places in his heart that are shocking. And I think for too long, so many of us have believed God is angry. He's frustrated. He's mad. He's just like our father or that abusive yes. leader. Or, yes. And, and he is not like any of that. Yeah, I just... I just want to go back real quickly and, and connecting this episode to the last episode because it was you feeding on his delight, Absolutely. his beauty, this thread for 15 to 20 years. Yes. So that when you read Revelation 3 and you hear these words of Jesus, you don't hear a frustrated God, a God of when are you going to get this right? I'm just going to come after this. You hear a bridegroom. For sure. You hear someone who's longing for greater Intimacy. And this is the point. He goes, you've only thought about, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. And you've assigned a certain meaning to that with a certain attitude. And it's not what I'm doing in this passage. That's exactly right. And he, and, he, and he literally showed me how I was reading the passage to the Laodiceans as if he had a bad attitude about it. Yeah. And he's so tender. He's, oh my gosh. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible begins with the wedding and it ends with the wedding. Our God is a lover at the very core of his being. I like, I like, why don't we just jump off the page of Genesis 1 into what Jesus calls before the foundation of the world. John 17, Jesus says this phrase, Father, he goes, one, in John 17, verse 5, glorify me together with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And then in John 17, 24, he says, I have, I desire that they would be with me where I am, beholding my glory, for you loved me. Look at this. You loved me before the foundation of the world. Why do we see a man and a woman in a garden in connection with God and in connection with one another? Because God is a lover. At the core of God's being, he is a lover. The son is the beloved. And the Holy Spirit is the interchange between the Father and the Son. Yes, yes. This is what Jesus keeps referring to in John. The Father loves the Son. He enjoys the sun. He delights in the sun. This this is the very core reality of God. 
And that's why you need to understand this is who he is in his being. He is a lover who takes great delight in his son. And this is what we see just manifested through the whole storyline of redemption. Over and over and over. Over and over and over. And and that's the journey all the way through. And, and, you know, this is such a big, we're going to try to do a lot real short, but I love it. From the very beginning, Adam is in the garden. The Lord's created Adam, breathes into his nostrils. He becomes a living being, plants a garden, puts him in the garden. And then Adam is naming all the animals. Mm-hmm. And he says, he names the he this and the she that, mm-hmm. he this, she that, she that. And all of a sudden, loneliness hits Adam. For sure. <laughs> loneliness hits him. And he goes, God, where's my she? Where's my she? And the Lord He does something remarkable. He lays Adam down, takes a rib out of Adam, prepares and makes a woman out of his rib. And then we see the first wedding in the Bible. The father walks the daughter down the aisle, presents her to the son. And Adam says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. For a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. And Paul, in Ephesians 5, drops a dirty bomb on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, he goes, he goes, that was amazing. But I want you to understand what that was mostly about and referring to. This was about Christ and the church, Christ and his bride. And guys, we have no idea that from the very beginning in the garden, God was painting a story. He was telling a story of the bridegroom heart of God. I love that point that you're making about when Adam is naming all the animals. Because God says he brought the animals before Adam that he would see what he would call them, right? And so Adam starts naming them. You know, we always present it pretty quickly. Like he named the animals, then he he got, he he felt loneliness. But when you... (laughs) When you do the math and you recognize that the fossil record has thousands of animals, thousands of species. Oh, my gosh. Adam is naming and 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 naming. And and it's taking months. Oh, my gosh. I did the math in my book to know him. I do the math and I explain (laughs) it. If he does like 10 hours a day, I can't remember. It's like three (laughs) months. To name every animal in the fossil record. That's not counting fish and bugs. So he's, but the point is, can you imagine for three months, you see male, female, male, female, yeah, male, yeah. female, male, A female. point is getting driven. And he is, Adam is aching. He's aching and longing and desiring this this one that matches him. There's not a comparable uh, one. There's not one that's like him. He's looking through all of it. He says, I don't see one uh, like me. And here's what the point is. God is driving it so deeply in the heart of Adam, this longing and desire for one that's comparable. And the reason why he's sending that message is because this is what's in the heart of God. What's in the heart of God is that he has a desire for one that's comparable to him. It wasn't in the angelic ranks. It wasn't in the animal ranks. God makes one, he makes one part of creation that's an image bearer that's able to become a comparable partner. This is what you've got to get shocked with right now, that God's deep desire and longing is to have a partner like himself. And the reason he made you is 
that you would step into that identity. Oh, that's oh, <laughs> that's our destiny. Your destiny isn't to be an awesome fill in the blank in whatever it is in this age. This is only a training ground and a preparation time for your ultimate destiny, which is to be married to deity as a comparable partner forever that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his kindness and grace in love. Ephesians 2, 7. So our destiny is shockingly awesome. And the whole thing is about this picture, this man and this woman that God put in that garden. And that is going to set <laughs> the lens of the, the whole word of God. <laughs> oh, shut <laughs> That's your destiny. Hey. (laughs) 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 You're going to marry the lamb. You're going to marry the lamb. He's going to make you comparable bride who loves him, who's with him, and who's lost in him. And you see the storyline just unfold. It's glorious. We know shortly after this, Adam and Eve, they they lost their glory. They lost it. The fall brought separation. And from the very beginning, we see that there's going to come one through the woman that's going to reverse the curse and that's going to bring about restoration and reconciliation. And God's going to bring forth the storyline of the seed. He chooses a man, Abraham, who becomes Israel, who goes into Egypt for 430 years. God brings through Moses a whole nation out of Egypt and brings them to Mount Sinai. And God's going to enter into a marriage ceremony with the whole nation. At Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai. <laughs> it's a marriage ceremony. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> He's so, so you got to catch this. Exodus 19, he says, I want to make you a kingdom of priests. The entire nation would be priests. That language is the language of access and intimacy. Oh, my goodness. And what's interesting is God, he, he uses the terminology of priest because there's this service that priests, t- that they do. That they Call them a special treasure, too. A special possession. Yes. A kingdom of priests, my own special treasure. But here's the point. The service that these asking the priest, the nation of priests to render is intimacy. It's comparable partnership that we serve him by loving him. That's what he's actually after. And some of you right now, you're sitting there and you've been living under this specter that you've got to do something to get God to like you. You have to serve him in a way that he would, he would love you. And, and that is completely reverse. Jesus goes to the cross to purchase for you a free access so that you could just love him back. He already loves you. 
He's already enamored with you. He's already completely enthralled with you. Who you are moves him. He made you to love you. And so that's what we're seeing there at Sinai. And that language of betrothal is there at Sinai. And so they come into this, this invitation into intimacy. And he utilizes this language of priesthood because he says, I want you to love me back. I want you to love me back. And that message of love me back, that shows up all the way through. That's And, and when you begin to get this paradigm, this perspective, everything changes. I remember when I got a hold of the prophets and I would read people like Jeremiah. Jeremiah. And I would, they're in an urgent hour and they're going to, they're in a generation of judgment. And yet what I'm feeling, the very first words out of Jeremiah's mouth is Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah 2. He goes this, I remember you <laughs> and the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal when you went after me in the wilderness. And it's God reminiscing on the wilderness journey. And God's longing to go back to the old days. And he says, I want to go back to what it was like when you first fell in love, when we first fell in love with one another. And the prophets were friends of the bridegroom yes. who were constantly calling the nation back to intimacy, intimacy that would be manifested by walking in covenantal love and faithfulness yes. to him. Yes. That's why people like Hosea, yes. Hosea is the very picture of God who's married to a prostitute, a prostitute to call her back into intimacy because that was God's relationship with Israel. And that's how he was calling them saying, you are my bride. I want to call you back and I'm going to go again and go again and go again until you wake up to what you were made for. Get this. When the Lord speaks to Israel in their idolatry, he calls it harlotry. Come on. Harlotry. That's exactly right. Now just think just think about that broadly, right? Like, well, wait, no, that's idolatry. That's not harlotry. He goes, oh, oh yes, it is harlotry because I'm betrothed to you. You're, you're betrothed to me. You're my wife. And you are playing the harlot with a false God, with yes. another God. Yes. It's, a, it's the same as if a, a, a woman was sleeping with a man who's not her husband. That's why he calls it harlotry. Yes. But, but get, get what's in the heart of God. He goes, I, your maker, Isaiah 54, I, your maker, am your husband. And so when he's using that terminology of harlotry, he's not just coming up with like the, the worst word no, he can no, no, think no. of. It's he, how he sees it. Yeah, he's, he's expressing the depths of himself. And he's literally saying, I love you. And I love that proverb that says, jealousy is a husband's fury. And so when you see God moving in fury and jealousy in the Old Testament, when you see him, these, these outbursts of, of jealous love, it's, it's the same as a defrauded husband who's going to make it right with a, 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 you know, some adulterer that's, you know, making passes at his wife or some, some guy that's trying to rape his wife. Yes. I mean, it's the same intensity. fury and intensity. This is what's in God for us. It's what he feels about you. It's what he feels about me. And it was actually Jeremiah that led me to Song of Solomon. I, I had problems at the beginning with Song of Solomon, you know, it's fruity, I, you know, fruity. I got, you know, he's I can't picture some kind of Don Juan lover guy that's going to dance with me. But when I, but when I began to understand the jealousy of that's the it. husband, Song of Solomon two got me. The jealousy 
What it did is it broke down my defenses and it made me fall in love with his leadership. And you know what Song of Solomon did? And this is the, there's many things Song of Solomon did, but this is what Song of Solomon did for me. It changed the tone by which I heard him talk to me. That's it. That's what Song of Solomon did for me. It changed the tone of his voice by which I heard him talk to me. And that changes everything. Most of us have an angry, disappointed, frustrated God who's talking to you saying, when are you going to get this area right? When are you going to do this right? When are you going to do what I've said to you? And you live mostly condemned, under shame. You don't want to look at him. Song of Solomon liberated my heart to come into alignment with this voice because I'm, I, I connected to what I was made for. And, and, and I want, that's what Song of Solomon did for us. We'll probably look at it sometime. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at every time the bridegroom addresses the bride in Song of Solomon, he says, I love you. He says, he calls her my beloved. He, he says, you are beautiful. In other words, every single time he either says, you are beautiful you are beautiful and I love you, or I love you. One hundred percent of the time that he addresses her, he uses, it's one of those three. I love you. You are beautiful and I love you, or you are beautiful. And that's what he's talking about. But that experience, that's exactly what happened to me in Song of Solomon. It was all of a sudden, I see I had pl- an applied a lens to the voice of God. Yes. That wasn't his voice. It was coming through a filter of my own brokenness Jesus. and my own wrong image of him. And then I, I heard him through Song of Solomon. And then I compared him when he spoke to Moses, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, abounding in loving kindness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. I heard that. And I heard him in Song of Solomon. Oh I said, gosh. I'm, I'm making a God in my own image. Yes. I've made you not. Li- I've made you not like what you are, and that that voice I heard in Song of Solomon, I realized that's who he is. But I'll tell you what nailed me in Song of Solomon is chapter two, when she is she is wooed, she is moved in love, and he shows up, and he's not showing up as just like the Don Juan, like whatever you know, romantic whatever. He shows up as a warrior who's getting ready to trample on mountains. Yes. And he calls her out of the house. And she says, he's he's gazing through the lattice. It's intensity. He's gazing through the lattice. (laughs) He's calling out my name. And I picture stalker Jesus walking back and forth outside the window of my house, looking in the house. I want you with me. I want you to come with me. I love you. Come with me. And all all of a sudden, that fury of fire of desire, it was something I could get on with. It was Braveheart. Yes, yes. It, it wasn't some little Don Juan. <laughs> we, we, it was not that. It was no it we, was, we. I want. <laughs> is I want you with me. I'm about to rout the enemies of the kingdom of heaven, I, and I want you to come with me. And when I when I heard him and saw him in that light, I was like, oh, I. I can get on with this. I, 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 that's fine. I'm your girl. I'm, I'm in on this because I see who you are as a burning bridegroom. And, and I think that's what I think that's what bridal paradigm and awakening to bridal identity is so important. Yes. 
Because I think it's about, it's coming to this learning how to receive. Yes, yes. I would say that's a fundamental aspect of bridal identity is do you know how to receive from him? Because that sets the groundwork. And I believe we've got to first receive so that we can partner and that we can move into union with him in the journey. And, and that's what Song of Solomon did. It is a phenomenal journey of how he takes this shepherd girl into a mature bride and through all the seasons, hitting her compromise, her fear, hitting the seasons. Because in Song of Solomon 2, he wanted her to come with her, come with them, and she wasn't ready. She says, don't, don't go. And so what did Jesus do? He withdrew her presence, his presence, and he starved her out until she got off the comfortable bed and ran after him in the city. And we see this glorious journey of how Jesus brings us into maturity. We see it there. Isaiah, Isaiah 62, he says this. He says, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Do you have any idea that God rejoices over you? He dances wildly around you in the same way that a new husband dances over his new bride. That's how God rejoices over you. Isaiah 54, your maker is your husband. This goes on and on and on. Hosea 2, it says that I'm going to bring you to the wilderness and I'm going to allure you to the wilderness. He says, I'm going to take out of your mouth the names of the bells and you're going to call me my husband and I will betroth you to me forever in loving kindness and righteousness and humility and tenderness and mercy and all those. I'm going to betroth you to myself. All these facets of our covenant, he lays them out in Hosea 2. Beloved, this is our this is our destiny. So yeah. when we have those teeth, that steak we threw at you last episode, <laughs> now we have the teeth to be able to chew it up because when he comes walking in and fire, every area that's not like him, we want it. We want it burned up so that we can be his. Sure. We can be fully his and we can enter into this divine union, this mystical interchange of love between us and him completely unhindered. And here's the thing, that's the pinnacle of pleasure. Yes. That's the pinnacle of pleasure. We're gonna keep, we're gonna just stay yeah, into let's, this. Let's just pray. Lord, we ask you right now, revelation, revelation, <sighs> spirit of revelation, break in. <sighs> Lord, speak tenderly right now to every heart. Let them see the way you think and feel, your delight and your desire. I pray they'd sense the deep <clears throat> desire for union and for love that's, that's in your heart for each of us. You want us. You're not trying to get us to do something more for you. You want us. That's the ministry that you desire. Our hearts loving you back. <sighs> Jesus, even as you prayed in John 17, Father, that the love, yes. that the love that's in you for me would be in them. Put the same love in their hearts for me that's in you for me. You said, Father, let them love me back. God, I pray for each of us that we fall more in love. We would come to that place of beauty and intimacy, understanding that our God is a bridegroom God and desires intimacy from us. Well, do this, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Gripped. We hope this episode ministered to your heart. If so, feel free to subscribe and leave us a good rating. You can find previous episodes on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon Podcasts. You can watch this episode and more on our YouTube channel, Gripped Podcast. And follow us on Instagram, at The Gripped Podcast. To stay connected with Corey's ministry, you can find out more at www.coryrussell.org. To stay connected with Billy's ministry, you can find out more at www.billyhumphrey.com. Bless you guys. Thank you.